I'm Kendra Winchester here with Sachi Argerbright, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world. Today, we're talking about books by Pacific Islander and Pacifica authors. You can find a complete transcript of this episode on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, I am very thrilled that the day is here and we are finally talking about these books. We've been researching them for a while. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A long time. (laughs) And uh, I feel like there are just so many amazing new authors, new to me, uh, new to us authors, that we cannot wait to share for this theme because we've been very excited about it since we planned it. I don't know. Was it last November? Something. Yeah, I want to say it was around like Thanksgiving or something last year. So it's been a long time coming. Uh, very excited for today. Um, and I always love the May episode personally because it is API Heritage Month and it's one of my favorite months out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we jump into our theme and kind of the background on that, we have some updates uh, so our Etsy store, we have a 20% off all things in the store. We have some cool new merch coming out for Reading Women Month in June. So all of our older merch is on sale. So this is the last time if you want a Reading Women pin, bag, bookmarks, um, they are all being discontinued after we run out of our stock and everything is 20% off. So you definitely want to go snag yourself some merch before they're gone. And um, new stuff comes around. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I always love the merch uh, that we've had, even though it's older. It does not mean that it is not great. They're all <laughs> wonderful things. So definitely take advantage uh, while it's uh, on sale. And then you can have the kind of right or original version and the new version. So you can have both. Yes, yes. And these tote bags are one of my favorite things that we've made They are Mm -hmm. huge. They have little feet on them, so they'll stand up, and they're perfect for carrying around books or really whatever. It's just a really cool tote, and I went to a local uh, print shop for that as well to support local business, so the whole thing was was pretty great. Yeah, they're awesome. Also, if you didn't know, we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon is amazing, and our our wonderful patrons have kept us uh, going over the last um, almost five years now. And so we have a Patreon podcast, and in the past, we've done a wide range of episodes, everything from me talking to my mom about being homeschooled to talking to bookish people from around the internet uh, to talking to, you know, Joss about books for um, the Disability Readathon. And this month, we're talking to our contributor, Bree, about her new podcast, Categorically Romance, which she hosts with her friend, Sarah. And it's all about category romance novels. And if you are like me and were wondering what on earth is category romance, never fear, she talks about that too. <laughs> so... That's awesome. I have to check that out. Um, I didn't realize that Brie had a podcast of her own coming out, so I'll definitely have to uh, look that up. Yes, it's it's brand new. I think it just started either late March or early April. Oh, okay. So it is pretty great in that they talk about category romance and the history of it, but also like what they like about it and 
Um, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't know a ton about romance, mm -hmm. it, like as far as the wide range of genres and the different history of it. So this is all new to me and I've been really enjoying learning from them. Yeah, me neither. So I would love to learn as well. <laughs> Yes. So if you, uh, dear listener, would like to listen uh, to my interview with Brie, definitely head over to our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes, and uh, you can find it there. All right. So now on to May's theme. We are talking about Pacific Islander and Pacifica authors. So Asachi, why did you really want to talk about um, Pacific Islander authors for May's theme? Yeah. So as Many might know who have been listening to the podcast for a while. Um, the last two years, we have been exploring different Asian authors um, for API Heritage Month. We did fiction two years ago and nonfiction last year. And uh, a personal thing that I've been working on, um, and I'm I'm a key offender for this, so I, I want to fully own up and acknowledge that. Um, is that often when we have API uh, Heritage Month, Pacific Islander um, books, you know, generally uh, speaking um, it, for API Heritage Month, when we think about the bookish world, I feel like the Pacific Islander authored books are usually kind of either forgotten or left out or don't get as much airtime because the, those books are harder um, to find uh, and are usually from smaller publishers or, you know, um, what have you for all the various reasons. And so I personally have been trying to get better at picking up more um, books from Pacific Islanders. And for this theme, you know, I still wanted to honor API Heritage Month because it's so important to me every year, but I really wanted to put front and center and showcase Pacific Islander and Pacifica authors and give them their their due time and credit because their books are just as important as all the other Asian books that make up the very, very wide uh, API umbrella. Um, so want to fully acknowledge that, you know, there's so many different countries that are represented. And even within the designation of Pacific Islander and Pacifica, there are so many more. Uh, different islands and countries, territories um, that are represented. And so really wanted to focus on that for personal growth and learning, but also to have a larger platform to showcase these books that I feel like kind of get left out of the conversation every year. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's something that I've noticed as well. And, and looking for these, Jacqueline has been featuring Pacifica authors a lot of times uh, on her account as well. And one of the things I was asking her about, since she's done also a lot of research on this for her perspective as being someone from Australia, Pacific Islander is more often used in America and Pacific or Pacifica is used elsewhere. And most of her research has centered around, I think, New Zealand and the surrounding islands around Australia. But that's been really interesting to see the wide range of perspectives on identity and based on where you are in the Pacific and, you know, your history and the type of literature you put out uh, is always going to be different as well. And so we are very excited to feature these authors. Um, and uh, before we jump into our book selections, we did want to point you to some resources so that you can take these books and they're kind of like just the tip of the iceberg that represent a wide range of different um, literatures and then go and find more books. So this is kind of like your starting, your like starter kit yeah. that you can take <laughs> and then 
go off and find more authors. So Jacqueline sent me something that's happening right now as this episode goes out, and that is the Pacifica Readathon Challenge on Instagram. And that features a bingo board where you can go find fun prompts to encourage you to read more Pacific Pacifica and Pacific Islander authors. So um, that link will be in the description so you can find out more information about it. Yeah, and then the um, resource that I would like to highlight is a blog post from We Need uh, Diverse Books. In general, We Need Diverse Books is a great uh, resource for all types of different um, books, but this specific blog post titled Resources for Pacific Islander Heritage Month, um, which was this was published um, last May uh, 2020, it highlights all kinds of different resources, whether it is lists of book collections, different uh, small um, Pacific and Pacifica publishers, and then there's a whole list of Pacifica authors as well. I'd like to say probably at least at least 10 or 15 um, on this list. So if you're kind of thinking, hey, you know, I um, have either picked up some of the books that are highlighted on, on this episode or um, I'd love to learn more, um, there's a whole bunch of links even just to these authors and you can check out all the books that they've had uh, published and uh, that could hopefully kickstart a long TBR just for Pacifica um, or Pacific Islander authors. All right. Well, then let's just jump right into our, our selections for this month. Um, Sachi, you have our first one. Yeah. So my first pick uh, for this month's theme is Frangipani. And this is by Celestine Vate, and it's been published by Back Bay Books. And um, this is a slice of life story set in Tahiti and is focused on a mother-daughter relationship between Matarena and Leilani. And while the plot doesn't have, you know, the major twists and turns, um, it's a very character-driven novel, you get to see how these two women change over time. And um, the, the book even starts out before Leilani is born and um, progresses through her childhood and her teens and into adulthood. And you can really see how the mother-daughter relationship grows and develops as, you know, um, mother raises daughter uh, throughout her life. The thing that I love most about the book were the two main characters. Uh, Their personalities really carry this book and it kept me so interested in what would happen next. Um, Matarena is a hard worker that isn't afraid to give her kids a dose of realism. (laughs) She gives them some tough love sometimes. Um, And Leilani is very smart and a very inquisitive child who drives her family to think a little bit differently than they did before. And the story also includes anecdotes from other women on the island, whether it is other family members or neighbors, uh, friends, um, and it, it really gives an idea of what life on Tahiti is like. And, um, there's one aspect of the book where, um, when Leilani becomes a quote unquote woman after getting her first period, um, her mother says, okay, it's time for the welcome to womanhood talk. 
uh, which which I thought was like, oh, this is like it was like uh, capitalized and everything. It was very official, <laughs> and <laughs> and it consists of all this advice that is passed down from mother to daughter over time throughout every generation, um, and just to see the things that were passed down um, as part of this kind of quote unquote big talk, um, it gave the reader great insight to some of the cultural nuances and some of the Tahitian customs as well, which I thought was really, really cool. And this book actually ended up being the first in a series. And so um, I've I've picked up the copy um, that is next in the series um, called Breadfruit, which is a prequel to the book uh, Frangipani. And... Um, the third book in the series is TR in Bloom, which takes place after Frangipani. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to reading Breadfruit soon. Um, and I really hope that everyone uh, checks out those other two books um, because I really enjoyed this one and I have very high hopes for the other two as well. I'm sure they're going to be really great. So that was Frangipani by Celestine Vait, and that is out from Back Bay Books. Uh, Kendra, what is your first pick for today? So I have a poetry collection from uh, Kathy Gentinel Kijiner, and this is Iep Jeltuk. And this is a poetry collection um, that is actually the first published collection of poetry written by a Marshallese author. Mm. And so the subtitle is Poems from a Marshallese Daughter. And I didn't know this when I picked it up, but uh, Kathy actually grew up in Hawaii and went to school, went to university there. And she now teaches um, at a college in the Marshall Islands. Um, and this poetry collection is just phenomenal. One of the things that I learned while reading it and, and researching the authors that Kathy is very much writing about climate change. And she actually recited one of her poems um, at the Na at the United Nations Climate Summit in 2014. Mm. And, and it's just been featured in so many different places on her website. She's actually kind of made like music video equivalents for her poetry. Oh, interesting. Yes. So she has poems from this collection, but I believe she also has collaborations that she's done with other poets. And she has a collaboration with a poet from Greenland, and they both talk about being in indigenous people from these islands and their experience with that. And, you know, one is very much tropical and one is very cold. And just the way that they have that parallel and the way they do it in the video is amazing. So I will link to that specific video in the show notes. Um, but what started out as me reading this collection and reading this amazing poet's work and what she's doing um, with her art kind of grew into a whole research um, rabbit hole where <laughs> I learned that her work isn't just in poetry, but also, you know, raising awareness for climate change and really advocating for um, awareness for that and, and for people to make change for that. She also writes about her experience, you know, being Marshallese and the effects of colonialism on the Marshall Islands, particularly American colonialism. Um, there's an entire poem about how United States 
did nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands and created an entire wasteland of this section and uh, of the Marshall Islands. And she she does so much in her poetry that it's just so ambitious, but so well done at the same time. Wow. That's incredible. I will link her uh, website down in the show notes and you can find all sorts of videos. She also co-founded the youth environmentalist nonprofit Dojikum, which is dedicated to empowering Marshallese youth um, to seek solutions to climate change and other environmental impacts threatening their home island. And she just does so much for her country and for the her people around her and her community. Yeah. So I guess more so than recommending this specific collection, which I am doing, I'm also just recommending the author's work in general. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, that's that's wonderful. Um, so that is Eep Jeltok, a poetry collection by Kathy Gentinel Kidner, which is out from the University of Arizona Press. And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. A sponsor of this episode is Talkspace. After the emotionally draining year we all endured in 2020, there are positive things on the horizon for 2021. It's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction. That's why instead of just celebrating a month of mental health awareness, it should be our priority all year long. Take the first step with online therapy. Talk therapy is an incredibly important part of taking care of our mental health. As May is mental health awareness, it's a particular time we take uh, to focus on topics around mental health. Uh, But if you're like me and you still are social distancing and being careful because maybe you have a condition or maybe you're taking care of the elderly and have to be very careful that way, whatever the case may be, you may not be able to get to a therapist in person. Talkspace gives you an opportunity to have talk therapy via your computer. You can get online and talk to your therapist that way. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code READINGWOMEN to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's READINGWOMEN and Talkspace.com. And Sachi, you have our first discussion pick. Uh, Yeah, so my uh, discussion pick for this month is Hawaii's Story by Hawaii's Queen by Lili Uo Kalani, and this is out from Mint Editions. It's been published multiple times. This is a classic, and um, I'm I'm mainly just highlighting the kind of most recent publication um, that I had found, which this was republished by Mint Editions earlier this year. in early 2021. And so this is a memoir um, from Lili Uokalani, and she is Hawaii's last queen and sovereign leader before it was annexed to the United States. Previously to her rule, Lili Uokalani was an accomplished musician, and um, she composed such songs um, like Hawaii's National Anthem and the very famous song Aloha Away. And um, 
we're going to dive deeper into this book during our discussion episode. Um, but this memoir outlines many unique experiences um, during Lily Uo Kalani's life, including her childhood, um, her attendance at the Golden Jubilee of Queen Victoria, which I was very, you know, shocked to, to read firsthand account of um, a Golden Jubilee. Um, she had a near death experience, like in a carriage accident. Um, and then the the failed and then successful attempts to throw over monarchy rule in Hawaii. So she lived a very, very, um, you know, unique life. And it is all outlined in in this in this book. And so this was originally published in 1898 with the help of her husband's cousins who owned a publishing house. And it was published after, uh, Lily Uokalani's imprisonment, uh, which was orchestrated by a coalition of American businessmen. Um, and it was kind of her final plea to um, really ask the United States not to go through with the annexation of Hawaii to the U.S., um, but unfortunately it occurred um, that same year. Um, and so again, we'll be discussing this title during our next episode. So tune in for that. Uh, that discussion episode will be coming later this month. And uh, that was Hawaii's Story by Hawaii's Queen by Lily Uo Kalani. And it has been recently republished by Mint Editions. And Kendra, what is your discussion pick for this month? So my discussion pick is a favorite that uh, we've actually interviewed the author before, but I wanted to go ahead and, and discuss it because we've never discussed it before on the podcast um, this yeah. way. And so this is Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls, a memoir by Takira Madden. And this is one of my favorite recent memoirs. I love, love, love Takira's prose. And so um, Takira is uh, Chinese, Native Hawaiian, and Jewish. And she talks about, um, in the last section of the memoir, her connecting back with her Native Hawaiian roots and her experience um, with that. And I just really appreciated how she covers so much in a single memoir. While it is it is very much part of her life and her life experience, um, she also is coming to terms with all of her own complexities as a human being in this memoir and kind of aligning them together, you know, being queer and growing up awkward and, uh, you know, having parents who struggled with addiction for most of her um, younger years and all of these things together. And so at the end, when she kind of goes back and starts reconnecting um, with her mom's childhood in Hawaii and growing up there, you know, as Chinese and Native Hawaiian and moving here and just all of these different experiences that she has, I think really was impactful and informative about what it can be like living in the diaspora. And I think, you know, a lot of people of color, particularly those who, you know, have moved to a region of the United States or even moved to the United States have experienced being made fun of as a kid for maybe the food that you bring to school or for the way, you know, that you look or, or whatever it is. And she experiences that as the only or one of the only Asian kids in her school. And so I really appreciated the way that, you know, she shares that and also, you know, writing a memoir and trying not to, you know, like, 
overlay your own perspective as an adult onto your childhood is really difficult. I And so she does that really well. The writing is beautiful. I'm going to quit gushing about it. <laughs> it's it's such a good book. I, I'm also a huge fan of this. I read this um, around the time it was published, and it is so great. I'm so excited that we're going to be discussing it together because it's so incredibly good. Yes, yes. It's like a linked, almost like a linked essay collection. It's somewhere yeah. be- between an essay collection and a memoir. Um, and she kind of pushes the boundaries of things, which is kind of like a, a recurring theme in the book of what trying to figure out her who she is as someone who lives in a lot of in-between spaces. Right. I really loved love that about the book. So I, obviously I cannot wait to talk about this book in our discussion episode, but that is Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls by Takira Madden, and that's out from Bloomsbury, and it's out in both hardback and paperback. So our guest today is Chloe, uh, and I am so excited for her segment. Uh, She has an Instagram account called Tales with Thomas. Thomas is her cat who also reviews the books with her, which is great. Um, I'm all here for Thomas's reviews as well. So Chloe is a Maori bookstagram um, from what is commonly known as New Zealand, and she has so many great recommendations on her Instagram, so go check it out. But she is going to talk about two of them today um, that she really loved and want to share with you all. So without further ado, uh, here is Chloe. So kia ora everybody. Uh, my name is Chloe Ferguson-Tibble. Uh, I am from a tribe called Ngāpuhi, uh, an iwi called Ngāpuhi, which is in beautiful Aotearoa, also known as New Zealand. Um, and it's in the northern part of that, and there's a really lovely harbour there, and, and that's where my people hail from. So I'm Māori, I'm an Indigenous person of, of Aotearoa. I really love reading, and I love talking about Māori literature particularly. I am on Bookstagram, um, my um, bookstagram is called Tales with Thomas, and I'm sure that there'll be a link for that that you can have a look at. My first book today is called Aware, and it's by Becky Manawatu. Becky Manawatu is from Ngaitahu, which is a tribe from the South Island of, of New Zealand, and she's written Aware. Now, Aware means to, to cry or howl or groan or to wail, um, and that's really important once you understand what the book's about. Um, the book is about um, two brothers, Tokiri and Arama. And Tokiri is a, a teenager and Arama is a young boy. And they are both orphaned. And in the beginning of the novel, we um, get to see where they go um, and who they get to stay with, um, their aunties and uncles. And their, their um, mother, Jade, she, um, we, we learn about her story and um, in the background and over the course of the novel, we come to understand the anguish um, that, has, that has happened around these boys and, and to these boys. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's essentially what the story is about. There are a lot of characters and it can take a little while to understand how they all connect. But what I'd say about that is that it's not necessarily the point of the book in Te Māori or the Māori world 
whakapapa genealogy um, and connection to that is really important. So for me, when I read it, um, I sort of quickly grasped all of the connections because um, it's a sort of way that we're used to understanding information, but I know that some people became a little confused about um, all of those connections. But what I'd say about that is that it's not really the point. What makes this book special to me and the reason that I've chosen to feature it is that it's a book that describes some really, um, you know, horrendous problems that are facing um, Indigenous people in New Zealand right now. Um, And part of the problem with discussing things like uh, child abuse or um, domestic violence um, or gang um, affiliations uh, with regard to us as Indigenous people is that you you can stuff it up. I think um, writers can you know, write it in a way that leaves people feeling and having opinions about about my people that um, is not helpful and is, you know, um, reinforces stereotypes. However, the thing with this book is that while it discusses those issues um, in great detail, um, there's this protective uh, narrative that goes throughout the book, and that's that the, the solution to the problems that our people are facing today are in our traditional ways of being. So they're in our karakia, our inca- incantations or prayers. They're in our waiata, our songs, and they're in the birds, um, which for Māori depict um, many things. But, you know, one of the things that that Becky outlined in this book that is that the birds um, connect us to the afterlife or the sort of a way to go through the veil and have some really important connections to those who have passed on. And so what I love about the book is that it's able to discuss the issues that we're facing right now because of colonisation, but it's also um, done it in a really culturally appropriate way um, in a way that I don't think um, reinforces any stereotypes about our people. I guess um, it's important to note that this book won the um, Occam's 2020 Literature Prize in New Zealand um, and that was a great thing so it got lots of recognition for that. Um, However getting our books, particularly our Māori books, going all over the world is another thing and that's another reason why I've chosen to talk about it here. So this book is called Aware by Becky Manuatu. The second book that I've decided to share today is called Po Kahangatis and it's by Te, te Tibble. Te Tibble is from Te Whanua Apanui and Ngāti Poro, those are her iwi affiliations, um, her tribal affiliations within New Zealand. Po Kahangatis is not actually a Māori word, it's a word that she's um, made up and it sort of has a connection to um, Pocahontas is what she writes at the end of, of the book. Now the book is a collection of poetry um, and a collection of writings um, by this young author. It was her her first collection. She is about to release a second collection in June, and that's called Rangikura. I read this a long time ago when it was released, and um, I read it again recently. 
because I knew at the time that I really enjoyed it. Because uh, the way that I'd describe it is um, it's kind of like beautifully wobbly. Um, and what I mean by that is that it swings from sort of being really loud and proud to um, then being vulnerable and, um, you know, it sounds like the writer is um, feeling vulnerable or discarded or lonely. And um, I really liked the rawness in the poems and felt that it was a really good depiction of urban rangatahi. Um, urban rangatahi are um, young people that um, live in, in urban areas in Aotearoa. Traditionally, we were probably more, you know, le- much less less um, urban and more rural um, and um, as New Zealand has developed lots of our people have moved away from their traditional lands and gone to cities and with that has come um, some disconnection but what I felt in this is that there was yes there was disconnection but there was connection too and and she depicted that within her her poems you know at times I was giggling at how sarcastic she was when she talked about winds, which is a um, working income New Zealand. Um, it's essentially the place where people go to get benefits while they're not working, for example. And um, one of the things that lots of organisations in New Zealand do is um, use our proverbs, our Māori proverbs, and they put them on the buildings and one of the proverbs on the building is and that means um what is the you know what is the most important thing in the world or the most important resource and it's people it's people it's people and she mocks it in one of her poems because um though those of us who have experienced it you know having to go to wins um as a Māori person have experienced the complete racism from that system. She does a really good job of of mocking it and saying, you know, yeah, you've got this on your wall, but it's not really how you feel. And it's only a few lines, but I just giggled when I sort of saw it. Another thing that came through really strongly for me was um, non-Māori men and this kind of fever or lusting after Māori women um, and, you know, what that means and how that feels. And I um, I just thought that was really, really good. It, it also discussed a really um, important theme as um, men as perpetually absent, um, fathers, lovers. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, there are a lot of Māori women who, well, probably non-Māori women too, who can relate to some of those themes. And the writing is, you know, young. She's in her 20s. I think she would have been, I'm not even sure how old she was when she wrote it, but um, she's very young and her voice is bold and proud and it it left me with a really um, powerful vibe, which is, which is really cool. So I definitely recommend this collection um, by Tay Tibor. I think that um, reading books by Pacific authors this month and every month um, is really important. You know, there are so many times where our literature is is overlooked in terms of, um, well, in favour of, actually, in favour of um, lots of Western um, and white literature. 
sometimes that's you know really problematic because um, it's essentially leaving um, shelves out and and I think that a good reader is is one that goes into books understanding what the people in those books have faced that's kind of the the second point that I want to make is that you know when we go into a white book or a book by white authors we go in with the understanding that we're going to understand all the nuances and we're going to um, understand people's positions and why they make decisions that they do and that's because that culture is is the dominant culture. However, when we go into Pacific literature, I mean, I can talk about Māori literature, sometimes we go into it and there's some topics in there that are really, really harsh and that makes people sort of step back and go, oh, they're scary or they're this or um, they're bad people. Um, And I think as readers, we have to be critical um, of ourselves um, and of the position that we bring to the books we're about to read. In particular, what I mean is to know the history of the people that you're reading about. In Aotearoa, um, my people have faced years of of colonisation since the 1800s, and that has an impact on the types of outcomes that we're seeing right now in terms of health, in terms of disconnection, in terms of um, violence, in terms of incarceration, in terms of, of all of those things. And what I would urge people to do this month is to step back and think about why these things are occurring and to put them into the historical context. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for those recommendations. They uh, sound amazing. I hope that everyone is adding them to their TBR just like I am. And with that, we'll go into our currently reading segment. Um, And I'll go ahead and start. So um, in the month of May, I usually pick up um, titles to celebrate API Heritage Month. And so um, in the spirit of that, I am picking up All Who Live on Islands by Rose Liu. And this is out from Victoria University Press. And this is an essay collection from a debut New Zealand author um, outlining her personal history and experience living in New Zealand, as well as the ripple effect created from migrant experiences as her grandparents immigrated to New Zealand from Shanghai. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to read more outside of the U.S. Um, I'm trying to do that during API Heritage Month as well. Um, so I'm excited to pick up this, um, this book from a New Zealander, which I'm actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if I've read a lot of New Zealand books uh, or uh, books by authors from New Zealand before. So that'll be doubly exciting for this pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kendra, what are you reading? So also for API Heritage Month, I'm reading the memoir Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zalner. And this is, I think, maybe actually a linked essay collection. I'm not sure. I will report back Mm -hmm. on social media. So keep an eye out for that. (laughs) Or one of us will, because there's so many people excited for this book on the Reading Women Mm -hmm. team. So, (laughs) you know, someone will talk about it at some point. Um, But I just really have loved listening to her talk about the book and um, you know, I've known it was coming out for a while and there's just so much uh, delightful hype around it. So I'm very excited to read it. It has this amazing cover and um, 
there's just so much joy and, and excitement around it. I don't really know what else to say besides that. So um, I'll leave it there, but uh, definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't already. Yes, I second that. I really want to pick this one up. I have it on audio and um, it's probably going to be the next audiobook that I pick up after I finish the one I'm currently on. And the cover does look really cool. Like I, it was, it's very eye-catching. I was like, oh, I need to read this. <laughs> Yeah, it is is red and it has like noodles on it yeah. and just all this beautiful art on on the cover. Right. You, your eye immediately goes to it in a group of books. It just draws your eye immediately, which is much much kudos to the designer for doing that. Absolutely. All right. Well, those are the books that we have uh, chosen for uh, this month's theme. Um, so, Sachi, where can people find you about the internet? You can find me mainly on Instagram at Sachi Reads. And you can find me on socials at KD Winchester. And that's our show. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. Uh, this episode was produced and edited by me, Kendra Winchester, and our music was by the wonderful Mickey Saito with Isaac Green. Join us next time when we dive into our discussion picks, Hawaii's Story by Hawaii's Queen, and Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter, at The Reading Women. Thanks for listening.